Yo, 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 what's happening, planet Earth? My name is Teresa Beardsley, and welcome back to my podcast, Backlot Action Force. Um, this is a sustainability project that's serving the film industry, entertainment industry, and just the workplace in general. Um, the more that I'm learning about sustainability, the you know, originally this project was like about zero waste, but the more that I'm learning, I'm seeing so many more facets of it. And, you know... Um, right now is a time in the world where we're all asking ourselves, what more can we do? Um, so I'm spending a lot of time now, like interviewing people who are, um, activists in social justice and labor and, and, you know, all about that person because we can't have sustainability if we don't have equality. Um, so today I'm going to be talking to Annie Morrow, who's got this really cool project, um, on Facebook. And, and here's what she has to say. Do you want to introduce yourself? If you want me to. I, <laughs> I want me to do that. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you want to, um, what you want to call yourself. I mean, I know that you probably call yourself <laughs> um, <laughs> such a loser. I know you probably want to call yourself Andy Morrow, but <laughs> what are, what are <laughs> you your like titles? Yeah. What are um, your titles? Uh, filmmaker, actor, producer, activist. Yes. That's who I am. <laughs> Appalachian. That goes in the title too. <laughs> I heard your, um, pod, your podcast on the Appalachia show, which was fantastic. Those guys are great. That podcast is awesome. Yeah. I've actually listened to them a couple more times. And they're, they're really, really great. Cool. I like when they get heated up about politics. <laughs> they start ranting. I brought it up. I don't know if you heard on on the one I was on when, when uh, I brought up Big Pharma and politicians yes. being in bed with Big Pharma. And they were like, yes, fucking hey, I'm glad somebody else brought it up. It's usually me. But <laughs> glad somebody else did this time. Yeah. Was that the first time it came up in their podcast? Oh, no. they yeah, they bring it up a lot. They just were glad that I was that they didn't bring it up on that episode. <laughs> oh right, yeah, yeah. That you were the one that they were like, "That's the wrap." They're like, for once, someone else brings it up. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it's like such a problem mm-hmm. um, all over the place. It, yeah, like, it's everywhere. I didn't even realize the full extent of it until um, really like watching your movie Pusher, and then watching like further documentaries about like specifically that area um because growing up in the high desert we definitely have it but we're mostly mostly like straight up meth yeah (laughs) well I mean I think any small town is going to experience kind of what Appalachia experiences we have we have the unfortunate stereotype already being Appalachian like you know, from the beginning of media existing, they portrayed Appalachians as these poor, illiterate, inbred hillbillies, you know, that mm. eat dirt and like, <laughs> like live it. Yeah. Like they like show children in the media that like have dirty faces and are like eating dirt. And it's like, no, that's <laughs> not really what's happening, but that's kind of, there's a documentary called hillbilly that talks about that. of like, we have this stereotype about us that the whole world kind of has perpetuated. They still do. So on top of that, if you add addiction onto that mm-hmm. and the opioid epidemic, like 
it's pretty hard to get people to take it seriously when it's happening to a community that they already are looking yeah. down on. So, I mean, it's happening to other places too. I mean, it's, especially oh, yeah. now that fentanyl, yeah, especially <laughs> now that fentanyl is a big problem. You know, it's like, uh, it has, fentanyl has doubled the overdoses. Really? Yeah, it's really bad. It's a really, really bad. Um, but that's happening all over. You know, it's not just, in, it's not even just in the U.S. It's happening all over the world. Oh, totally. It's really fucking crazy. Well, it's so like, I, I didn't even realize that doctors literally are actually just drug dealers. Yeah. Like. Absolutely. I I feel like that to me was like really shocking to learn that it's literally in the system. Yeah. And it's <laughs> built in for them to profit off of it. That's, That's crazy. How they set that whole thing up. There's a doctor in my hometown who he's the doc, he's the pill mill guy. Like everybody know, has always known he's the guy wow. you go to for pills and for years. And he just got busted. He's been investigated a few times, but just this last year he got busted by the DEA and they like came in and raided his place. And like, apparently this was the time he was going to get caught. He still didn't get caught somehow. I think he must've paid somebody off because like, if we know it, it can't yeah. be that hard for them to figure it out and find evidence, but he's still like, he reopened his business somewhere else and still doing it. And, and I, it makes me so what? angry because you hear stories about doctors all the time. Like in Drew's hometown, the doctor that did it there, he got rich and then he picked up and moved his family to Colorado because he didn't want to oh. sit. He didn't want to, you know, lay in the bed he shed in. <laughs> for lack of a better term like fuck up a community and then you don't want to yeah. see it anymore and so you leave with all your money oh my god uh, it makes me want to do violence <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, what a piece of crap I, I i just like it's like don't you see what you're doing to the your community i grew up in a place with there's a where there's a lot of addiction a ton of addiction always constantly losing friends i feel like every year there's like another friend down and it's just like so because like it's like but it's so crazy because I feel like people like don't care though you know they're not willing to like help you I think that's because of the stereotype of addiction like people so many people for so long have perceived it as something you can control you have a Mm -hmm. choice over and that's just not really the case. I mean, I was, I kind of felt that way for a long time too, until I started understanding it more. Like, mm. no, this is like, these people like really are struggling with this. It's a, it's a disease, mental illness that they have. And yeah. just like, just like depression, you can't necessarily always fight it on your own. You can't decide not to be depressed one day. Yeah. You know, you it can't really work. decide not to be an addict one day. Yeah. So I think, I think it's starting to change now with um, the concept of harm reduction. People are talking about harm reduction a lot more, which is less so of like, well, addicts should just quit. Just go, re- go to rehab and then be better. And harm reduction is more of like communities helping people who, have it, who are addicted. They're helping hmm. them be safe, like okay. not die. You know, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we yeah. all in our community carry Narcan, 
then we can prevent overdoses and we know how to administer it. That can save lives. So it gives people a fighting chance to actually Mm. eat it, you know, things like that. Or just like providing resources that make people's lives better. That's going to keep them out of addiction too. Yeah. seems like a very simple thing, concept to get behind, but somehow people have a hard time with it. On one level, like people are so offended by substance abuse. Yet also, we don't realize how many substances that we abuse in our daily lives as yeah. well and how easy it is, you know, and how, how, how close we are to what we fear, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you could get addicted. Anybody could. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be like the richest person in the world and do take pills once and be addicted. It's just, it's luck of the draw. Basically, yeah. whether or not it's going to happen to you. So I think once we like can make that apparent a, a to most people, we can like actually address it worldwide mm-hmm. in like a grand way. Like, oh, we can fix this because this is happening to everybody. Yeah. I don't know the answer to it, but <laughs> I'm trying to learn. <laughs> Well, let's talk about your project, Direct Act, Daily Direct Action. Yeah. Eee. Direct Action Team. Yes. So mm-hmm. this is a group that you started on Facebook. I feel like you could better describe it than me because <laughs> I'm, I'm um, constantly on the outside. Yeah. It's, um, it's just a group, a private group on Facebook that you know people can request to join, but it's the point of it is just to um, give people in the group a daily action every day. It's an action that they can take to help create big systemic changes, whether that's about race, racism, um, LGBTQ issues, um, environment, the environment, you know, pretty much anything um, that needs powers and the power numbers. Yeah. Um, I was just feeling like I wanted to do something more than just post online, mm. you know, or sign a petition, make a call myself. I felt the need to do something more. So this group came to my head and I was like, if I can organize people to where we all take an action one day, because you know, like burnout's real activist burnout, I feel like is real. Mm. So if we're like, focusing on one thing a day, then that's how we can keep it going over time. Yeah. They're really manageable tasks, which is something that I was um, really appreciative for also, because I think, you know, I mean, right now some of us are going back to work and some of us are not. And, you know, whether, whatever you're doing in your personal life, your tasks are really manageable. Like what's, um, you know, like I think that you're, task from yesterday was watch you know an eight minute video and then on checks and balances yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, just like that's what I wanted it to be is like I'm not going to take up anybody's whole day it's just like give 10 10 minutes most like that's probably the max amount of time any of the tasks I've taken and most of them are five minutes or less it's just like you can do this today and it like literally takes no time out of your day Mm-hmm. No effort for you to just like be like, okay, I'm gonna 
set aside this time and make this happen and contribute to this. And I think it makes people feel good. I think it makes people feel like they're doing something. And the, the like having like a group to like we could all we could all go online and find things to do every day. But I think having a group that holds you accountable for it mm. is really kind of the difference in that. Like it holds me accountable too. You know, I, I get on and I'm like, if I'm asking people to do things that I need to be doing things too, I have to be doing them. Yeah. So I think, I think the accountability <laughs> is pretty important is the key element to that. I think so too. And I, I feel like as, you know, somebody who's a participant in it, um, it also is nice that like, you don't have to think, um, at all as a participant, you're like, Oh, okay. What am I going to do today? Let me, you know, let me not forget about doing this one task. How did you start the group? I was just like, like I, it came into my head. The idea popped into my head, I guess, like a couple weeks after George Floyd was killed and I was getting really, uh, involved in everything that was happening and like all of the information that was flooding the internet, I felt like I was like right in the middle of it and like consumed by it and feeling kind of powerless and like helpless. Cause like as a white woman, like I know that I have some responsibilities that I, you know, I have to contribute some things and I have to go above and beyond to use my privilege to make a difference. And I was feeling kind of overwhelmed by that. I'm like, okay, so like me posting on Instagram isn't helping. Mm. You know, I, that's not really doing anything. It might do like change one person's opinion, but it's not really doing <laughs> anything. So I, I just, the idea came into my head and I was like, this is a way that I feel like I can contribute something. If I can like keep people being active you know, push, mm. keeping them involved and aware of situations that are happening around the world or in the U.S. You know, like, because that's one one thing I, I wanted to do is, like, every day is kind of a, a different thing. It's a different topic. Yeah. Because there are so many things happening in the world at all times that we need to be paying attention to. Mm. So I just, I just got on Facebook and started the group. I figured Facebook was the best place to do it. And I'm, I'm learning about Facebook groups. They're not the best formats, but. Uh, uh, really? What, what do you think? Would, would you want to change about it? Uh, just like the user, the user ability of it is not necessarily the best. Like the difference in using it on your phone and computer is like mm. night and day. You can't like schedule posts on your phone. Uh, the way that they lay out the the feed, it doesn't really make much sense to me. Of like, mm-hmm. you, it's really hard to find the new one unless you pin it to the top. Stuff like that. It's yeah. just kind of confusing. They don't like if people if people invite other people to the group because it's a private group. So you have to request to join and you have to fill out these questions. Uh-huh. And if you if you invited people to the group instead of them having to click to join and then fill out the questions, it would automatically submit their uh, request, but it wouldn't have them show them the questions. So they would just be sitting in, they're just sitting in limbo 
because we're like, oh, I'm not going to admit you unless you answer the questions. Oh, they don't man. even know there's questions because somebody invited them to the group, which is so stupid. Oh, to me. No. I'm like, isn't that like there? Surely that's a way, something that Facebook could easily fix. That's kind of crazy because I know I've yeah. definitely invited people to the group. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't know it was doing that for a while. I was like, "Why are all these people not answering the question?" Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> kind of yes or no questions. That's crazy. And then I realized that, and there's no way to change that. Yeah. Which, so I don't know. Like that kind of stuff is really frustrating. But yeah. I'm trying to focus on the this whatever I can figure out how to make it beneficial. Yeah, Facebook is kind of funky. Also, I feel like I, this happens in every Facebook group, I think, but also, you know, like it starts off really strong and then it like d- dwindles down the participation as yeah. people become less enchanted with um, whatever, whatever That's it true. is. And the notifications, like the way that they do notifications, like I barely get notifications for groups I'm in mm-hmm. unless I'm super involved in that group right up front. Yeah, And then I'll see notifications, but otherwise I don't. That's why when I first started the group, I was like, y'all got to start like really letting your algorithm know that Mm. you want notifications from this group because otherwise you're not going to get them. So you have to like for the first week, I don't know if this actually works, but in my head for the first week you're in a group, if you like are active, then they'll show you notifications. Mm. Otherwise, like you don't see them. I don't know. They, they yeah. must do that on purpose. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. Facebook is kind of, is weird like that. Um, but I like what you say. Sometimes, like I'll see you post like, oh, hey, the numbers are low today. <laughs> yeah, I like I've been calling just, people up. <laughs> I like that you give a nudge. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Take some action. Well, people need a nudge sometimes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, it's always nice for me to have a reminder. Like, I never mind being, like, nudged because my day is is so full usually. And, like, I'm constantly on something on this, like, role of, like, life. (laughs) And we're also used to having, like, the internet and social media at our fingertips. So I think our our, uh, ability to see things and put them off for a time and then forget them that's happened that that's like our daily life now totally. like oh i'll just deal with this later and put it in a different tab or something and then we forget about it oh yeah so i think that that's why i've just been like nudging people about it and you know i've made it pretty clear that like once a month i'm gonna go through the group and if you're not contributing at all like i'm gonna kick you out of the group Ah, that's awesome. And people have been <laughs> upset about that. I've had some pushback on that. They've been Really? Like, yeah, they're like, well, yeah, but I'm here for good reasons. And I'm like, that's not the point of this group. The point of this group isn't to watch <laughs> you have to do from it. the sidelines. Like, it's called direct action, team. You have mm-hmm. to take direct action. That's the whole point. Yeah. So if, you, if I kick you out and you want to come back and contribute, then join again. <laughs> But like I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna kick people awesome. out who don't do anything. That's awesome. <laughs> what is so important about direct action as opposed to um, social media or boots on the ground? I think it makes change more accessible because I, for me, like community is the most important thing. 
in terms of changing things. Like in terms, like when we're talking about the opioid epidemic, I think that communities are who's going to make that issue better. Like a community deciding to change it together. And we're losing community. Like as, mm. as the technology grows and we are all used to being in front of a screen, we're kind of losing this idea of what a community means. And I just feel like having a community, whether it's online or not, that holds you accountable and pushes you to actually like contribute is how we're going to actually enact change. It's by like putting ourselves out there to actually mm. do things, not just like sharing it online and saying, this is what I agree with, yeah. which doesn't do anything. Like you have to actually take a step and make something happen. So for me, like direct action is how you do that. Mm. Just take one daily action to use your time and your privilege or your voice towards, put it towards something that needs your voice that will contribute from a lot of us using our voice and our action. That's how I see things changing. Yeah. Have you noticed a lot of change or like, have you seen anything that was specifically related to your group or um, have you felt that there is change happening? Yeah. I feel like there is. I mean, I'm hesitant to say that too. Definitely, because, I mean, I am looking at certain things from a privileged perspective. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know that I can speak to that necessarily. Um, but I do feel like people, I feel like this time is different than a lot of other times in the past. I feel like people are more passionate and more willing to put in work. Mm. Um, so that feels different. I, I hope it carries, it keeps going. I mean, just like we've seen major businesses changing their way of doing business in terms of how they deal with race or, or things like that. Um, mm. We're seeing statues coming down, actually Yo. coming down, which <laughs> like, we've been wanting to happen for a long time. So there's definitely some things happening that is mm -hmm. different. Um, I don't, I hope that they're not necessarily going to be just performative changes. You know, taking a statue down is great, but we need bigger things than that to happen mm -hmm. for actual change to happen. Um, but it does feel different. I hope it is. Yeah. I, I it's, it's so interesting because I, I feel like when I was younger, I was such an activist and I was like, a die hard. And I, you know, I was like right there when Occupy LA happened and I lived at city hall <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was like working on all these grassroots teams. And then like, I feel like the older you get, you're kind of like disenchanted with anything yeah. um, political. And like, there's so many people who feel disconnected from the democratic process. Yeah, definitely. And I get it. You know, and like, I feel like there's this huge divide because some people are like, well, why, you know, yeah, of course I care. But then what, what does it matter what I do? 
Yeah. Like I'm not going to change it. Yeah. Who like am I? Person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally relate to that. I went through that same trajectory of like being young and full of fire and passion and believing that you can change everything with mm-hmm. just that fire and then becoming disenchanted of like, oh my God, this doesn't matter. <laughs> like nobody's listening. It's just like, look, it's all the rich people and the politicians doing whatever they want and they don't give a fuck about anybody else. And I, I, that's why I think this time feels different because it does feel like uh, all of the people ha- are getting that fire back. And because mm. more people are getting that fire and that passion back, it's spreading. Mm. It's like a wildfire kind of. It's just like spreading. Yeah. And that make that gives people the the confidence and the the feeling that like what they're doing is actually changing things. That's why that's why I think direct action is important in terms of groups like this where we're we're showing up in numbers. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are doing the work on the ground, you know, like like in Louisville, you see people like there's groups that are out every day on the street and they're putting themselves in danger. And they're like, you know, they're putting their face out there and there's their bodies out there. And that yeah. like the least we could do is like show up and support them with mm. action. That's going to like, so it empowers them to keep doing it because we need people out on the ground that are going to keep showing up and changing things and like forcing them, forcing these changes to happen. This is like takes different roles. Like, are you going to be like a foot soldier or going to be on the back end of things, making phone calls? Yeah. There's something for everybody. Are you going to fight with, uh, you know, you're going to try to debate with all of your racist family and... Trying to change all their minds. <laughs> There's different things for different. <laughs> yeah. I also feel like education is really important um, yeah. because I, you can say whatever you want to say and believe whatever you want to believe, but you have to have the backing. You have kind of, yeah. Because, like, for me, I really didn't understand um, the prison system at all. I mean, it's never really been a part of my life. And so reading about it and how it's connected to this specific time, um, you know, uh, the, the end of slavery, um, and, and how that kind of connected the whole prison system, like what? And then, you know, and the war on drugs and (laughs) like, it's like, it's a little before my time. So reading about it, it's like not necessarily connected to you. And we're all so lacking on education Yeah. in terms of, I mean, we get, we've all been taught anybody who's been, who hasn't been homeschooled has been taught what the school system wants you to believe. Mm-hmm. And most of our history that we know comes from white colonizers so oh, totally. We're all we've all learned it from that perspective. So we have things that we need to unlearn and new things that we need to learn. But I, I've had this conversation yeah. with some people before too. Like you know, I'm from a small Appalachian town, and I want to help kids there. Like 
I, I can't fault people who never left my all white hometown mm. for having certain backwards ways of thinking. I can't necessarily fault them because they haven't, they're ignorant. And I, sure. and like when you use that word, people get super defensive and they think mm-hmm. you're insulting them. And I'm like, I'm not calling you stupid. I ignorant is very different. You know, we mm. can like fix that. Like I was ignorant right. once, like mm-hmm. about certain things. I'm still ignorant about certain things. Like I'm still learning. But like when I when I went to college, I remember this um, my freshman year of college. This uh, incident happened in my dorm room where um, a black student who he was from Africa. He he had a banana nailed to his door, his dorm door. What? Yeah, like you know, like a racist kind of oh. quote unquote monkey joke. Oh. And, and I remember like, it was my first, my first semester of college and I was with my theater professor mm-hmm. at the time we were like getting ready for a play or something. And we were talking about it and I was like, stuff like this still happens. Like legitimately did not know. That yeah. And that's like the least of the racist things that happen in, the, in our country. But like, for me, I was like, yeah. that still happens. Like, and she would, she just, I'll never forget that moment. Cause she looked at me and she was like, Oh, Andy. Yes. Like that's the least of it. And that mm. moment, like something in my brain opened up, like a part of my brain opened up mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, I would have never known that because of where I grew up. Like I never would have seen it and I've learned things because I got out Mm. of there and saw things. And I think that the way we can fix that is like you said, education. And I don't know how to do that necessarily, but there's gotta be some kind of way we can help kids focus on kids. Yeah. To get them the history that they need to know, the education that they need to know so that they can change that way of thinking and that perspective. It is all about the kids. And I, I definitely think that even like a, just a like a general understanding of it. So like when the first hanging started in California, the two of them were near my hometown, which really um, shook me, but it wasn't like surprising because the oldest KKK group is from that area in the state of California the oldest KKK group in California started in the high desert. Um, And they're still active. Like they just hang, but they're a bunch of like old guys who just hang around and like drink beer and hang out with the cops. Well, they have, yeah, they're all like, you know, like firemen or like people who have like businesses or whatever. And um, actually my dad was invited, but it's, it was, yeah, he was like, what? Why would you even think? <laughs> Your dad, the artist that's up yeah. there, like, painting funky art. And also, like, yeah. They didn't he's know like, their demographic, did they? <laughs> no. And he's also Native American. So, like, it was just like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, yeah, they were like, oh, you're a cool guy, you know? <laughs> and he he's was like, like actually... <laughs> I'm too cool for you. (laughs) I was like, what? Nah. Like, they gave him, like, a pamphlet. And, like, yeah, it was, like, weird. And, like, 
I don't know, but I've been trying to figure it out because I remember like as a kid growing up and like walking down the street and seeing like the Confederate flags and, you know, and like there was, I remember seeing uh, Confederate flags. Uh huh. Yeah. California. Uh huh. In my hometown. Really, they're really into it. That's their heritage, Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how, but yeah. (laughs) And. And then I remember walking by, there was a house that had the flag on it and a noose on the porch. And like, it's just, that's what you saw every day when you were walking to school. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and that, like, we, I think we have to, especially now that we have a president that is encouraging people to like, let their hate show. Mm -hmm. I think now, especially for white people, we have to. Like, we have to call people out like that. Like, that's where it comes back to the community for me. Of like, the communities have to be like, that's not okay here. You can't do that here. It's not acceptable. Get the fuck out. I agree. I think in small communities, it's hard though, because definitely people care so much about what others think about them or they're afraid to stir the pot. Yeah. Or I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I've seen a lot of people just be okay with, with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> just like turn a blind eye. Yeah. And then what do you do? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, for so long, I, I am guilty of doing things like that. Not necessarily about um, like racism, but like blatant racism that I see, but like I have been guilty of not pressing the issue you know, especially mm. with my own family, mm. I've been guilty of being like, well, it's easier just to not deal with it because it's so emotional for me to argue with my family and like, ah, oh, totally. So I just like let it go. And now with, with, I've no, I've realized that, that I shouldn't do that. Like I'm like, I have to speak up and say something. Otherwise I am being complicit in that. And it has caused problems. I mean, my dad unfriended me on Facebook and told me it was for his mental health that he had to unfriend me. (laughs) You know, things like that. And it causes a rift. But at the end of the day, like, it feels worth it to me. You know, Mm. I feel good about what I'm standing up for. To speak up. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. And I've seen people changing their minds because of that. It is happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Like when the when the protests were happening, um, I know a lot of people from my hometown were really against it. And I was like, you know, and I and I literally called people and I was like, what are you against? Like just out of curiosity, I'd like to know because I know that you don't hate people. So what, what's the story? So much of people, what people <laughs> say and feel, it comes from fear. There's mm-hmm. so much fear based. And I think I've, I've been trying to get better at it. I've never been great at debating people or like arguing with people. Uh-huh. I've kind of always been pretty bad at that. And just like, I'm either like passive or I'm like full on confrontation. 
It's like mm-hmm. no middle ground for me usually. And so I've been trying to be better about that and learn how to, how to talk to people in a way that makes them not be so defensive. And mm-hmm. I'm still learning. I'm not great at it yet, but um, <laughs> my friend, my friend who um, is, she's so wise. Uh, she, she told me recently, she was like, if you ask people to explain themselves, like that oftentimes is all you need Mm. to do. If you say, well, tell me why, like you said, like, why do you feel this way? Why, why does it make you feel that way? Why do you hate this? Why do you dislike this? Like with them having to explain themselves oftentimes Mm -hmm. will change their own mind because when they start saying it out loud, they're like, that doesn't, doesn't really make sense and like it helps them get to that conclusion on their on their own so they feel like it's maybe their decision I haven't necessarily been good at being subtle like that so I'm trying (laughs) (laughs) it's you know I don't know I feel like it's not for everybody to be like to I don't know it takes a special person to be able to debate yeah it's also like (laughs) exhausting it's exhausting to like sit there and be, like help like hold somebody's hand and help them come to that conclusion like yeah yeah that's a special person that can do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not my thing <laughs> I'm just like you know what I know that you know I know that you don't feel that way like for real you know I, I like most of my conversations were like um do you believe that people deserve equal treatment under the law? You know, and like, how could you say no? You know, and like, nobody ever said that. Nobody ever was like, no. <laughs> yeah. You of know, of course not. And like, I don't know. I think it's so important because you can't have like sustainability without justice and social justice. You can't live in a society that really is able to sustain itself. Yeah. Without. And I, equality. And I think it. Exactly. And I think it's all going to change when it's already getting there. But I think when everybody, no matter what their political leanings, when everybody realizes that we all actually have a common enemy, Mm. you know, that's when we'll all be able to make some changes, but they don't want that to happen. (laughs) That's why they try to keep us divided. But I mean... (laughs) We're all being held down by the same people, same <laughs> institutions. It's true. <laughs> My brother posted something that says the world is divided into people who think they're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> that statement gives me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> it's so annoying. It's like everybody's like, no, I'm right. <laughs> but everybody thinks they're right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like even when I like, I try to. I've tried before recently to post videos instead of like trying to explain, like for example, systemic racism. Like I'm arguing mm. with somebody instead yeah. of trying to be like, this is what systemic racism is or what I feel about it. I'll like find an educational video and like share it with them. And there are people who have like come back at me with a video of like Ben Shapiro 
or somebody <laughs> like him who's like combating that that video. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, but that's not that's literally his opinion, man. <laughs> this is like i'm sharing a video that's educational based like it's not he's like coming from a very biased place not making a point and that's creating but yeah can you do i don't know so is there anything that you want that i didn't ask you that you wanted to make sure that you mentioned um Hmm. Well, I guess I'll say that if anybody wants to join Direct Action Team, just search Direct Action Team on Facebook. But I also would encourage people to start their own, you know, mm. like if start your own group, like, yeah. you know, take you can take steps to to help people take action every day. I think we're all going to there's we can all do that. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this world. So it'd be good to have our own little groups encouraging people to do different things every day. I think so. Yeah. Different audience. Different yeah. audiences. For shizzle. For shizzle, my dude. That's all I have. I <laughs> That's all the Thanks questions I have. Stuff. Thank you for joining <laughs> me today. And <laughs> I'm excited. Um, I hope that this encourages people to take action. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, I I will say like I'm learning as I go and I... <laughs> Hey Drew. Oh my shirt. <laughs> oh th- thank you. <laughs> but I'm learning as I go and I don't know all the answers, even close I'm not even close to knowing all the answers. And I've realized that I'm wrong about a lot of things and taking steps to correct that and to educate myself. And I think that everybody can be personally responsible for their own education and we all should be right now and it's okay to be wrong Mm. it's okay it's okay we can it's okay that's how you learn knowing you're wrong that's really good advice I think people are so scared of being wrong Mm -hmm. especially in this culture of cancel (laughs) (laughs) yeah or like (laughs) I feel like everyone's like afraid to be like that one person. Yeah. Everybody's terrified to be canceled. And I think that that's an issue with cancel culture is like, it makes people scared to learn to be wrong, you know? Yeah. And there are some people we should cancel, but for the majority, (laughs) I think we can let people have some room to grow. For sure, man. (laughs) Oh, cool. Well, thanks dude. Thanks Teresa. Thanks for having me. It's a good talk. Yeah. Please follow Andy at Honky Tonk Andy. That's Andy with an I, not a Y, on Instagram. Honky Tonk Andy on Instagram. Um, And her project on Facebook is called Daily Direct Action. It's a private group. Um, Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. If you want to continue supporting our project, the biggest thing is just follow us on social media at A-X-N Force, F-O-R-C-E, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, We do have a Pinterest. And if you want to take your support to the next level, you're more than welcome to come to our anchor.fm page. You can do a $5 a month subscription or you could do a one-time donation. That just helps me pay for Jeremy Robinson. 
the man who did this awesome theme song and he does our mastering and um it helps us just keep our materials free to the public and you know take care of some administration fees or whatever um shout out to producers on this project kimber pritz and jennifer Belinsky. thank you ladies and mostly thank you uh audience planet earth people humans um because we couldn't do this without you Peace out.